Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Zabo and we are here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. Make sure you download the Footy Live app today for all your stats, scores, highlights, opinions and your podcasts. We are back today in the studio after about three weeks of remote podcasting, I think it was. It's great to be back here in the offices seeing faces again, except for Nick Guilliaminos. He's been constantly getting into me about the Tigers. Um, I'm sure he'll bring that up in the Monday review panel on a Tuesday, and that is coming up shortly after today's special interview. Now, I'm really, really excited about this one. It is one of my all-time favorites in the game. It is Sean Grigg, Premiership Ruckman Sean Grigg, that is. I'm going to ask Grigg about his career at the Blues, training with Fev, moving to Richmond, what it's like being close mates with Dusty, what he's doing at the Cats now, and anything else I think about at the time. Uh, I can't wait for that, and I cannot wait to see who makes the final eight because it is wide open as is Jeff Kennett's mouth, who I think is making things a little bit worse at Hawthorne, but I will ask Nick about that as well shortly. And uh, Gordon, he'll chip in with his opinion as always, and I'm sure he has the Swans, the Giants, and the Suns all on the agenda because I cheekily read his rundown before this intro. On my agenda at the moment, though, is the Richmond Life member and superstar, Sean Grigg. So let's get to that interview. But before that, actually, you've missed these for a couple of weeks. It's the puns, so endure this. On Friday night for the Blues, it wasn't so much about the future, more about Kerr now. Charlie kicked a goal on his return while Harry was a wizard, making five goals magically appear. It was a Sam old story for Walsh, who added three goals in another strong performance, even though the Saints tried their best to jack steal the four points. Brett Ratton has a long memory, but he'd like to forget that 31-point loss. Even on Mars, the dogs can run with a routine visit landing all four points for the West. It was freezing down in Ballarat, but a lukewarm beverage was hot enough to burn the flaming crows. There was no slowing down for Rory, though, who tried to find his Ben Keys, but Adelaide's engine wouldn't start as Bailey News was delivered. <laughs> Dale and Smith were the top dogs. Doggies by 49 points. It was a low-scoring slog, but the Roos got larky. He kicked two majors against the Cats on Saturday afternoon, but oh, brothers, Cam and Zach, the Guthrie wise men. They found the footy and solved the Simkin solution. Roos used a bit of forward thinking in his debut start, but Eddie couldn't lock in a win. Geelong by four goals. At the MCG, it was a battle of the birds as the Magpies circled a ring of steel side-bottom whose captain confidence was contagious. The Eagles could have used a thrashing vaccine as Simpsons men got a Mayo checkup and Jordan got the going. West Coast tried to hurn the corner for their skipper in his 300th, but Jack was too crisp and the little pressure was tailor-made for Adams. Collingwood by 45 points. The Suns never rose on Sunday afternoon as the Dees looked Melbourne bred to make sure their opponents were gone. Oliver was twisting, Petrarca looked like a born-again Christian, and the demons were intent on causing grievous bodily harms. It was hard to David swallow for Stuart Jew, but for Simon, it was more than a good win. Demons by 98 points. At the University of Tassie Stadium, Clarko ran a masterclass of his own. The Hawks spread their wing guard, and Jaeger was the bomb. The Lions just couldn't stay in the contest, as Dylan kept showing more. Brisbane kicked eight goals in the final term, but too little too late. Lions are faking into the distance. Hawks by 12 points. The Bombers tried to win on merit, but the side kept drowning in mills. Nothing seems too deep for the Swans at the moment, and Dawson seemed to enjoy his creek on the MCG. Parker found a spot. The Bomb Papley kicked four, while buddy hell, Franklin's getting closer to that thousand. The second half was filled with a highlight package, as the whole parish got involved. Not good enough against Sydney, though. Nothing can lock them down. Swans by seven points. Apparently, Waywood kicking is turning Justin Longmuir's hair grey, but the joint efforts from Fremantle and Richmond on the weekend were so bad, viewers would have been booking in laser hair removal to save them from the pain of pulling it out. Don't blame it on injuries. Don't blame it on weather. Blame it on the fact that both these sides just aren't that good. The dust has settled on Richmond's season, and if Big Cats also have nine lives after burning their last one, they're set to finish, well, ninth. It wasn't all that bad, however, as Fremantle pulled up their anchor and hauled themselves into the top eight. For now, a mark-of-the-year contender from Lockie Schultz got the Frio fans waltzing 
and the goal that followed was a rare steadier for Fremantle's lopsided navigation in front of goal. Fremantle by four points, written by Gordo, because I would never say that about the Tigers, and include a waltzing reference. No fans on Sunday night at Marvel, but that didn't mean you couldn't enjoy wines from home. Hogan tried to be a hero, Toby had the green light to run wild, but not even GWS's mummy could help them. Port Adelaide's massive Dixon stood up, and Zach was as slippery as butters. And Peter? What a Laddams. 27-point win for Port. Today's guest is one of the most selfless, consistent, and smart footballers the Richmond Football Club had ever seen. This man played 214 games for Carlton and the Tigers, kicking 96 goals and finishing his career as a premiership ruckman. He was president of the social committee, the common sense officer, and a cult hero, but most importantly, a generous leader who always put his team first. It is my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Sean Grigg to the gym session. Welcome, Grigger. Hello, James. Thanks for having me. It's a, quite an intro, mate. I'm pretty flattered. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, mate. Hey, I've actually got a bone to pick with you because the last time we met face-to-face, you're in the office, and I said, man, you're the, the one of the best players I've ever seen in my career, one of my favourites. You were injured at the time. I said, I'm going to see you out there again. You said, yeah, yeah, no worries. The next minute I know, you retired. Was it something I said? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think that, that was at the stage where I still was thinking I was – 25 and I still get over the injuries but yeah once you come to the realization that you're not you know quite uh, as fresh and sprightly as what as once as once I was so yeah the decision um, was made pretty quick after that yeah, well, it led to one of the biggest stories in Richmond history. Obviously, Marlon Pickett uh, was selected because you put your hand up and said, I'll give somebody else an opportunity. Are you still close with Pickett? I know he, he messaged you grand final week, a, a really nice message. Are you still close with him? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to him every now and then. And I had the privilege of presenting uh, Marlon his jumper on grand final day as well. So yeah. Yeah, the way it unfolded, I probably couldn't have, I didn't see it unfolding like that, but it was a great story and, the main reason why the timing of my retirement was um, was that was I went and sought out the club and the mid-season draft. It was the first year of it, and um, I basically um, asked them if I retired, would they use the pick? And their first answer was yes. Yep. And then my next question was, can that player help us right now? Because if they were going to pick a young developing player, I, I might have uh, I might have dug my heels in a bit and, and tried and tried to get back but I knew that that was very unlikely so when, when they said that that player could help help Richmond right right here right now it was a pretty easy decision for me yeah and a good one too what a moment that was in the grand final um everyone respects you for that you're, you're a selfless player and and that led to a lot of friendships and strong friendships at Richmond I know you're very close with the boys still but you can't reveal too much at the moment because you are at the Cattery I want to ask you about Geelong how's it been over there Oh, it's really good. Uh, I mean, it was pretty daunting leaving Richmond to go to a new club, but it was really exciting at the same time. And uh, the, the coaching group that we've got here at the moment, you know, led by Chris Scott, obviously, but the other coaches, you know, Nigel Lappin, Matty Scarlett, Corey Enright, Matthew Knights, and I work closely with Shane O'Bree. I mean, they're all unbelievable footballers in their own right and, um, and great coaches at the moment. So, you know, it's a perfect sort of apprenticeship for me. Um, I'm loving, loving every minute of it. And there's no traffic down here too, James. Which is yeah, cool. I was I was going to say we talked about traffic before. It's very different from you know obviously training at Punt Road. It'd take you 45 minutes just to get from one end to the other. What about down in Geelong? It's nice that you're five minutes away from the ground, are you? Well, yeah, about five minutes away. So sometimes I find myself walking to and from work just so I can get 15 minutes of peace by myself before I get home. Whereas Punt Road, um, you know, get, trying to get in and out of Punt Road sometimes, yeah, 45 minutes or. You know, and you'd be uh, not not going anywhere. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a change down here. It's nice. That's right. Well, speaking of nice, you're, the town you grew up in, Linton, I think it is near Ballarat. You had ten acres of space. You had the footy goals up there, and you're an Essendon fan growing up. Yep. Did you ever did you ever pretend to be Damien Hardwick in the in the yard? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually. But yeah, those, those are all great memories. And we yeah. we lived on top on top of a hill, and down the bottom of the hill was was the local footy ground as well. So we spent a lot of time there, and. Uh, my old man played a lot of footy there, coached 
um, footy there, won premierships, coach premierships. So, um, you know, I was, I was uh, always following him around the um, the Carnham Lytton change rooms and, and the footy oval. And, you know, my cousins sort of lived in the same street down the road. And, you know, we had a lot of a lot of fun times. Mm. Well, there's a, there's a big, obviously, a, a country footy vibe there. And when you went to Redan as well, I think the Lions, and you said you looked up to those senior players as much as you looked up to the AFL players. And I think, am I correct in saying, you know, that footy country vibe, you try to bring that with you during your career as well, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved Redan, the Redan Footy Club and still do. And uh, we used to play in the juniors, me and a, a group of friends, and then we'd, we'd hang around and we'd watch watch the seniors. And at that time, uh, we weren't a great club. You know, we'd sort of struggle for numbers and, you know, our jumpers were all sort of different colours and they weren't matching and stuff. And um, coming coming up against teams like North Ballarat who had the nice silky jumpers and all that sort of stuff, we, we just loved hanging around the club. And, and then the senior club started to have some success and... Um, and I loved it. And, yeah, we, we hung around the rooms like a bad smell. We'd stand behind the goals, kick the footies back after a goal on a point. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and I've still got some bonds with, with, those, with, those, guys, with those guys now. And, um, yeah, one guy, Mark Kennedy, Kennedy, who's a teacher at St. Joey's up at, up at college um, up there. So I uh, caught up with him the other day. It was nice. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, you go to the Carlton at pick 19 in the 2006 draft. You originally think you're going to Adelaide. Now, let, let's be honest, they didn't quite get their pick right. They chose James Seller. He only got 21 games uh, for Adelaide. You could have gone there. I reckon they would have won a flag if you went there. there you go. <laughs> Things would have been different, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, yeah, I've, I, I sort of did expect to go to Adelaide. I thought I was a good chance there at pick 14. And, you know, that, that pick came and gone. James Seller was touted as a top 10 pick. And yeah. he was an Adelaide boy. So, um you know, Adelaide uh, were probably stoked that he he survived to that pick. So, yeah, and then Carlton, uh, Carlton and Essendon were the next ones I was thinking of. So, yeah, it was uh, a good good phone call to get from Dennis Pagan um, that I was going to the Blues at pick nineteen. Yeah, what was that like at, at Carlton? Obviously, Whitnell was the captain then. You've got Fev there with a yeah. nice. It was, I've heard you speak about the culture there. Really good culture and environment to have fun and enjoy. But I think you said you can see why maybe you weren't that successful on field because of that stuff. Uh, well, looking back on it, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, probably at those times, like that was the end, that was the end of two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. The Blues at that stage uh, were sort of down towards the bottom of the ladder, and. Uh, yeah, I, I had a, it was a good time to, to start an AFL career, I think, because um, you know there was no social media. You know, the pressure probably wasn't as great as what it is now. The scrutiny. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a great time. We had a great bunch of mates that I got drafted with as well. Michael Jamison, I lived with, and Sam Jacobs, I lived with for a long time, and um, it was sort of just like moving from the country into the city and it was, we moved into a house together and none of us knew what we were doing and couldn't cook. And so we had to grow up pretty quick and, um, yeah. you know, it's changed now where there's, you know, player development managers and the clubs um, really set you up, but we were sort of just thrown into it and it was um, good luck. Here you go. And it was, it was, it was so fun. Yeah. We, I loved it. Hey, what about your, your first game? I know Dennis Pagan, he made you do something uh, pretty strange to get your first game. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> Yeah, he did. Uh, it was around 14 uh, and he called me into, my, into his office and uh, he asked me what time was my personal best around Princess Park. That's where we did our time trials mm-hmm. in the preseason. And, and I, can't, I can't quite remember the time, but um, you know, I, I told him the time and he said, righto, son, if you beat that right here, right now, you'll play on Saturday. And that was, that was Thursday morning before the main training sessions. So, yeah. oh, before uh, of course, I was up for it. Um, and I went and Tony Liberatore was a, an assistant coach at the time and he rode a push bike around with me, <laughs> and, uh, barking orders and telling me the time and how fast I was going. And I was yeah. able just to beat the time. And Dennis, to his word, picked me for my first game. There you go. You reckon he wouldn't have picked you if he didn't beat it? Yeah, definitely. There's no way he would have picked me. I reckon <laughs> he's a pretty hard but but fair man. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed having Dennis in my first year. He, he made me grow up pretty quick and told me some home truths and it, it really set me up. Mm. 2010, Richmond approaches you halfway through the season. Uh, you speak to Dimmer at the end of the year. He says, "I'll give you an opportunity, mate," and and that kind of I think swayed you to to go to Richmond to get that opportunity. I want to read you this Facebook post. Okay, at the time, Carlton put on. Uh, Sean Grigg requests a trade. Now, a guy named Jordan, he commented, he said, I hope he gets what he deserves and goes to a club like Richmond where the only thing he'll be holding up is the ladder. <laughs> what, what happened next, mate? Uh, yeah, well, I probably, <laughs> at that time, I probably didn't predict that 
the Richmond was going to turn that quickly. But for me, at that stage of my career, it was about opportunity and, and proving to myself and to everyone that uh, I can be a decent AFL player and help a team. So, yeah, like you said, I, I met with uh, met with Dimmer and basically Dimmer um, backed backed me in and said, uh, "I'm going to give you the chance to show everyone and show me what you've got. I believe um, in your talent and your work ethic, uh, but it's up to you to do it." Um, so. It was pretty – I was blown away by that, that the coach had my back so much so quickly. And uh, Dim, Dim has got that effect on players. And, you know, the, his, the history says players play for him. And it's a, it's a big reason why Richmond have been so successful. Hey, did the outside noise ever bother you at all? I know you said at the start of your career social media wasn't massive. But watching you as a player, it seemed like in the big moments you always stepped up when you had to. And it seemed like the moment didn't overawe you. What was it like internally? Did you get nervous? Did you, did you enjoy game day? We'll be back after a quick break. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was as I as I matured and got older and and realised it didn't matter what um, people were saying about me or the team. The, only the people that cared or the people that could influence. And uh, once I worked that out, um, it was actually Rocket Ede who I played the international rules series in 2011, and uh, I spent some time with Rocket Ede. He was the coach, and um, yeah, and spending some time with him, he made me realise that that. You know, the people that maybe be bashing you or talking about you, they don't really know what's going on. And um, I, I shouldn't listen to that or why would you even entertain yeah. that? So, you know, once I worked out, you know, what my strengths were as a player, um, how I could help the team, then uh, when I was in that moment, yeah, I, I, could, uh, I could block everything out. Yeah, that's good. I talked to Rancy a few weeks back and he said that he actually didn't enjoy game day but you you seem to have enjoyed it do you think a large majority enjoy or don't enjoy game day uh, pressure? and yeah. you now obviously with the boys at, at Geelong you'd see what they're like yeah I mean it, everyone's so different there's so many different individuals and it is quite stressful game day and yeah. um, does help um, winning uh, I can tell yeah. you that but, but I, I really enjoyed sort of the tactical side as well so um, you know for me I was so immersed in the game whether I was playing well or whether I wasn't um, or whether the team was or wasn't, I, I was pretty immersed in the, the tactics that were going on and what was happening on the field. So um, I was quite probably distracted from my own thoughts about what, what was um, going on and if I was playing bad by what was actually happening in the game and, and how we could change it or fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, 2016, uh, the last game, the Tigers lose by about 110 points. Uh, your parents are there. They come to most games. You say to them, why do you even bother? You know, why are you coming out here and watching this? It didn't feel like it was ever going to change, did it, Gregor? No, it didn't. That's right. And, you know, mum and dad, they're still in Ballarat. They yeah. both um, work on the council. So, you know, we weren't blessed with a lot of money growing up or anything like that. But they're very supportive and come to most games. And, yeah, that, that, that trip to Sydney... You know, they'd, they'd spend money on flights, accommodation to come and watch the game. And obviously we lost by, you know, over 100 points. And I remember saying to them in the rooms after the game, like, well, why do you bother spending your money coming to watch? Like, go on a holiday to Queensland, you know. Um, go and treat yourself rather than, um, you know, sort of watching this. So uh, the way the way it turned and how quickly it did, I didn't see, didn't see that coming, to be honest. But... Um, I was glad that happened to me in the back end of my career because going through um, the hard times, it made it made it so special. And 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 like moments like that with family, like um, having having the cup with them and sharing that moment with them, um, you know, made it all worthwhile. Yeah, I want to ask you, you quickly about you know you said preseason two thousand seventeen it changed dramatically and Dimmer brought in a new process and that sort of thing. One of those things I think was the Triple H sessions that you did. And you spoke about a really big moment then when you were a teenager and you had a, a mate in the seniors passed away yep. who presented with his bat 
and at the funeral, I think it was, you went out and you made 112 not out for him and you dedicated it to him. It's an incredible story. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, oh, looking back on it now, it's, it's probably one of the best things I've, I've ever done, to be honest. But, yeah, it was uh, a, te- a cricket teammate of mine. Um, he was the captain captain of our team at the time. Uh, he's batting and had a heart attack on the field and, and sadly passed away. He was uh, only 41. Uh, and I was, I think I was about 16 at the time. And uh, I'd done some work, work experience with him and worked with him on school holidays. And, and he really took me under his wing playing cricket. And uh, yeah, his wife, Libby, uh, presented me his bat at his funeral and, uh, and asked me to go, go and use it on the weekend. And uh, looking back now, uh, I, I, was, I was pretty confident. Um, at the time, like I don't know why, but and yeah, I was able to able to go out and, and make a hundred with his bat, and um, you know it was a, that was a pretty cool moment. Libby ran out, and his daughter Carla were there was there as well, and um, you know, I, yeah, to be honest, I should have been nervous and worried about what what would have happened, but um, yeah, I wasn't, and it sort of all worked out. So yeah, to go through that as a sort of a sixteen year old and, and see that see that happen, you know, it's pretty traumatic and. But to do something something cool like that for his family was um, was awesome. Mm. Hey, Grigor, I know I am wary of the time. I know you're a busy man now. You've got schedules at Geelong. But I have to ask you about 2017, man. And you became a ruckman. Uh, Griffiths goes down. You're in the ruck. 2017, Granny, it is a bit annoying because I actually remember you getting a hit out against, jo- oh, against no. Jenkins. The boundary throw-in. I, you know, I was there. I, I saw you hit it <laughs> on the stat sheet. No hit outs. Sean Grigg, what happened there? Yeah, it has been a bit of a bugbear of mine and a few mates, to be honest, that um, I clearly know I've got a hit out in that grand final. Yeah. We played clearly, um, see, you can clearly see it on the replay, champion data didn't give me the hit out. So um, I'm a bit filthy with that, James. Yeah. Can we uh, can we somehow get it changed? Or is I it think we can. Forever? Well, in our app, in the Footy Live app, we'll change it. I'll put something on there just to make sure because I remember seeing it, I was there. Hey, what about the celebrations? post game i know you know it meant so much to so many people that come up in, to you in the street and, and say to you you've actually changed my life like how does that feel to, to be part of that yeah that was pretty cool i mean there's probably two parts of the celebration there was the obvious month after yep. with uh you know your teammates your family the club um all the, all the volunteers the, the staff which which were amazing times and then it was probably post that when we went went back to training and you know we'd go down swan street grab a coffee before training or at lunch and you'd have people sort of come up and stop you and say, you know, thank you so much. We, we never thought we'd see another Richmond Premiership in our life. Or, you know, there were stories sort of, you know, um, you know, my dad's 80 and he's in a nursing home and that brought so much joy to him to see Richmond play in those finals and win. So um, at the time, the enormity of it didn't, didn't sink in or I had no idea what it meant sort of to other people. But um, as time goes on, uh, it's pretty cool how, how a group of guys can affect so many mm. out of that group of guys you're pretty close with brett delidio and dusty i know you had a lot of friday night dinners with them sometimes you had to bring your own plates didn't you with, with dusty oh uh, that was yeah when dusty was moving around um <laughs> apartments he, he doesn't have a lot of stuff does so i remember once he he uh he rang me up just before i was coming over and uh he asked if, we, if i could bring my own plate and then another time he asked if i could bring our microwave over so he could borrow it I was like, Man, go down to Harvey Norman and buy one. Like, it'll cost you 50 bucks. So I'm not bringing my microwave over for dinner, mate. So, um, but th- th- they were good times as well. And, you know, yeah. I sort of, I, I, uh, I went to Dusty's, you know, probably, uh, it would have been probably six or seven years a night before a game, I reckon. We, we had held that tradition and, yeah, it was good fun. He, he's not a bad cook. Yeah, what was the meal? What was the was it always different on a Friday? Oh, we sort of mix it up throughout the years, but the staple was sort of um, a chicken stir fry, honey mustard, yeah, um, sauce with, with a bit of chili. Yeah, no, nice. you're still close with uh, lids as well, are you? Yeah, speak, yeah, a lot, a lot of got a, a great group of mates from from the Tigers, um, you know, Brett Deledio and Jack Rewalt, who's still going around. There's you yeah. know, there's such a such a good group of guys that I'm still tight with. Yeah, Jack was, or well now I think he's got the crown as the smartest footballer at the club. You always had that crown. Dimmer gave that to you, and now Jack's taken over. I think. Is Jack? Jack's just saying that himself. Is he? Is that? He something? must. I think. I think it's from Jack. I've heard it from Jack. No, but it is. He is. 
he is. I can't. I can't deny I'm that the champ. Yeah. Hey, last one before I get to these ten quick questions. Um, I want advice from you because you are a father. I'm going to be a father at the end of the year. Ah, congratulations. Well thanks, done. thanks, mate. Uh, bedtime stories. I think you've just completed Conrad Marshall's Yellow and Black and Stronger and Bolder. They're kids' books, are they? Uh, yeah, some of them have got some good <laughs> lessons in them. Um, yeah. So Sonny, my oldest, is seven. So um, yeah, he's he's into into his footy. So yeah, read him a few stories about that. But if I could give you one bit of advice about yeah. parenthood, James, it would yeah. be if uh, especially when they're young and babies obviously cry and sometimes they can't tell you what's wrong. So the best bit of advice I could give you is um, towards your partner and just ask, how can I help? Yeah. Don't offer advice. Don't say the baby might need burping. The baby might need a nappy change. The baby might need food. Just say, how can I help? Okay, done. <laughs> I will do that, mate. I will. You're a legend, Grigor. Let's get these 10 quick questions out of the way. Uh, all right. Your favourite movie? Uh, I like Walk the Line, Johnny Cash. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, your favourite food? Favourite food would be my wife's chicken pie. Chicken pie, very good. If you could swap places with any NFL star, I know you're a big NFL fan, who would it be? Uh, probably Aaron Donald, I reckon, from the Rams. From the Rams, yeah, yeah. nice. Aaron nice. Donald, he's pretty yeah. cool. Big boy too. Uh, you owned some spud bars. Uh, I think you sold them in 2018 now. You're a businessman. What what business would you love to get into next? You could pick one. What is it? Oh, I wouldn't mind if I could go back in time and, and pick a few, but yeah. <laughs> something something in the tech world now, I think that's where all the money is. Hmm. Nice. Uh, your favourite goal of all time in your career, was it that running one with the dream time or did you have a... a, a different... uh, oh, I it's hard to go past the grand final goal. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but my first goal wasn't wasn't bad either. Uh, as at the MCG, Carlton Collingwood, about 80,000. And it was in the last quarter to seal the game that Brendan Favola dished off to me. So you know, oh. that one's fond memories as well. Yeah, and he kicked a few that day, I think, as well. He had to win against the prize. Every day he kicked them. <laughs> Who's your favourite coach of all time? That's hard. Uh, early, early on, I really enjoyed David Teague as a coach. Um, back then, he was um, coach of the Northern Bull Ants and he was playing with us as well and a development coach at Carlton. So I've really enjoyed to see Teague's progression and, um, you know, he's obviously head coach now, so hopefully they hold on to him. He's a bloody good coach. Mm-hmm. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Apart from Australia, obviously. Uh, yeah, apart from uh, Australia. Yeah. The States. Yeah, the States. I, I, States. I love my NFL, yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, you've got a Sunday afternoon free to do whatever you want. What are you doing? I'd be lighting my fire in the backyard, having a few mates over and having a few beers, either watching the races or some sort of sport on the telly. Okay, I have to ask you this. Will you ever be a senior coach of an AFL club? Yes or no, Gregor? That's way too too hard to tell, but my attitude has always been in life, whenever I'm I'm doing something, I'm fully committed and and, um, I want to go as far as as I can and wherever that takes me, we'll see. Yeah, that's a yes. And you've got a great footy brain, so definitely going to do the job there for you. Last one, mate. What is your favourite song of all time? Uh, Paul Kelly, How to Make Gravy. Perfect. Grigor, you're an absolute star, mate. You are a legend. Oh, I, could, I could speak to you all day, but I know you are a busy man, obviously, there at the Cattery. Can't thank you enough for coming on today, mate, and having Thanks. a chat. Thanks, James. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Uh, last Friday, I was able just to come out and do the warm-up with you boys. Um, I hobbled around, but I'll, I'll hold that dear to my heart. That was one last time. I've made lifelong friends and memories that I'll cherish forever. I'll always be a rich man, the blood brother. Fellas, here we go. Time for my second favourite part of the show. And finally, we are back in the studio. I get to see your beautiful faces, boys. Gordon, Nick, how are we? Very good, mate. Very good. And how are you, more importantly, after a tough weekend? Oh, it was a tough weekend for the Tigers. It was very tough. But funnily enough, Nico, mm. as he smirks and laughs and points at me <laughs> and, and tries to abuse me again after I've, I've copped it for two days, Richmond can still make the eight, remarkably. 
Do they deserve it? That's the no, question. they don't deserve it. I don't think any team that's vying for that spot actually deserves it. No, I mean, that's it, a good yeah, point. Yeah, it, it wasn't a great weekend. Did you have a good weekend, Gordo? Well, yeah, you know, Olympics are on, plenty of footy on the Sunday, Saturday night Five off games. as well, so, yeah. you know. Um, Nick, you would have had a good weekend. I'm getting confused here. Yes, absolutely. Um, just good to be back in the office with you guys recording here and not over a computer screen where I don't have a microphone. That's right. So it's I good to have a microphone. I in can front actually of me. hear you. And answer this because I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to start with the tweets and emails first because we'll probably bring it up either way, but these are both directed mainly at Nick. So Dario mm. Casale, he. Wrote in. He said, question more for Nick. I've seen a big uproar from Hawk supporters. Do they have a reason uh, to be upset or are they struggling to see the bigger picture? Second one was from Frank Scalisi and he said, Nick, please apologise. Apologise to who? Well, I'm assuming Caroline Wilson, who you abused last week and said she was a liar. It was a non-story. Yeah, she made stuff up. Made stuff up. Clarko wasn't going anywhere. We, we I don't. Not. I don't think I owe an apology oh because God, here we go. I, I think people are well within their right to believe what Clarkson said. When a man opens up his heart, you know, starts talking <laughs> about family tragedies, um, uh, who who are we to question a man's integrity? And well, I think at the time, I think at the time he was telling the truth. And like oh they God, said, Nicker. it was in the, it was over the last couple of days before they made the announcement on Friday. You actually believe that. You believe that it was just over the couple of days and Caroline Wilson and Sam McClure and Tom Morris all just got lucky. Well, she did say that last night on uh, on Footy Classified. She did say that the players you know, went to That was the, the final board. straw. Yeah, the final straw and said was it the players, work. no doubt. But nothing she said was false in the lead-up to but that. But I mean... I mean, when Clarkson was speaking last week and when Mitchell spoke. So they, you actually believe that? At that, that time, they yeah. were – yes, I do believe it. Absolutely. Jesus. I mean, well, who, who are we to question a man's well, integrity? Nico, when you – Nico, when I don't you think it's about questioning a man's integrity. It's about whether or not she got the story right. And she got the story she right. She got the story you're right. Questioning, and you're questioning – lap more like it. You're, you're questioning her integrity. You're saying that she's the liar. I'm not saying what? she's lying. She obviously had facts. She obviously had someone go That's to her right. and tell her about you it. Thought, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. A, you called her a liar last week, so I think you should apologise. I'm not calling her a liar. I just think uh, I thought at the time, you know, a lot of the facts were wrong, and you know, we were we were listening to Alistair Clarkson and Sam Mitchell. And this is where Nick Jeff Kennan and we've, we've said this before, mate. Like it's not they're not going to come out and say the hundred percent truth, and you've got to read between the lines sometimes. And they speak about a journalist read. I think at the time, but somebody who, like yourself who's been, you know, you've been following footy for a while. You're a writer here. You're employed to report on the footy to not read between the lines or at least apologise after something mate, like that. I mean, I'm saying I think at the time Evan they were Kane telling Korn's the truth. Apologized. I'm saying at the time they they were telling the truth. God, I mean, I. They were watching mate. that press conference. It was as see through as anything. Like they, <laughs> they took a whole day to spin this. Both of them came through, and I'm not saying that they hate each other, Sam Mitchell and, and Al Clarkson, but they both didn't want to work together. Okay, that that was the bigger picture, and they didn't walk off with uh, Jeff Kennett, who has absolutely he should. There's no doubt in my mind that he should go. He is a big cock up from Jeff Kennett to right. send off a. a Premiership coach like that in the disgraceful way that he did and come out and lie to members and mislead them and then for Sam Mitchell to come out after that and deny these things and lie to the members and think that they're stupid to not believe this, that these things were going on behind the scenes. This Clarko, and, and rightly so, should have had a payout, okay? He was going to stay there and say, I'm going to stay until, all right, if you... Don't, if you Exactly. That, that's what I was referring to. I did believe Clarkson would stay next year. I was believing what he was saying. But you you members. were denying that Sam Mitchell didn't want him there or Jeff Kennett didn't want him there, which was as well, obvious that, as that's anything. That's another thing. Uh, Caroline Wilson, uh, she said a couple of dodgy things like, oh, Sam Mitchell should uh, watch what he says about when he's yeah. talking about his coach or his, you know. Yeah, his boss or whatever. Yeah. His boss, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, because um, the leaks, he's obviously said some things to some people. And but we don't know that. Again, she, she didn't clarify those things well, and I think you, they were Could you really doubt her after this? She was proven 100% right and so was Sam McClure and they were bashed in the media and they and a lot of people came at them, even their co-hosts, and said, mate, just drop the story. Like, it's not happening. It's not true. They said, no, I firmly believe in my sources and that's what a good journalist does and they need to be congratulated yeah, on it, that story. It changed. Their situation obviously changed oh, God, in a couple of days, mate. No, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He's mated me again. When he gets angry. I'm just saying. I find it the situation changed. quite funny because I feel like the people that are really upset about the treatment of the premiership coach and legend Clarkson are the people that 
you know, a couple of weeks ago was saying that he's overrated. You you come on this this podcast a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy, and said, <laughs> oh, oh, when Hawthorne wins, it's all about Clarkson Clarkson when they lose, yeah, it's all that, about the players. I stand by that. I said I he, like but you said he was overrated. I, I said feel he like gets overrated in that circumstance no, when it's always when not. Hawthorne You said wins. he was an overrated coach. But yeah. I feel like the Hawthorne fans are actually taking this pretty chill. Like, I don't think the ones who are upset on They've Twitter. signed a petition, mate. There's a petition. Did you see a petition's going out to overthrow Jeff Kennett? They want to right. get Jeff Kennett okay. out. Okay. Because do some I, of the fans have seen that this was just a bunch of lies for the last 26 days. Do I think this situation was poorly handled? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Caroline Wilson was correct. Absolutely. Are you upset? Do, could they have, As a spokesperson for Hawthorne fans from the footy live lens... Are you upset? Are you? Yeah, are absolutely. You I'm disappointed upset. with the way the club's handled it. Do I think Jeff Kennett should stand down because of the way he's handled it? Absolutely. Oh, I do. Thank you. Good. Oh, wow. Um, then what are you they, disputing they, 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 here? What are you disputing? I'm just saying, I, I backed in um, the word of Alistair Clarkson and Sam Mitchell when they came out publicly. I backed in their word. I took their so side. But seven days and, before and that, I had every Nico, right he to. said he's staying there no matter what. They'd have to carry him out in a coffin for him to go. Well, they basically did. So, like you're saying, you believe – so they all parties lied for 26 days, but you're still going to believe. that's what I mean. I don't think they lied. I think Alistair Clarkson genuinely believed at the time, and so did Caroline Wilson. So Sam Wilson. Mitchell came out and said, it she, pisses me off when people say that, and that never happened. Do I want him gone? No, I don't want him gone. That's not been. a lie. It, yeah, but it could have been a Please. lie. She she was calling it a mediation se- session. We, we still don't know if that was a mediation <laughs> oh, session. Nicholas. It was just a, a, another meeting that they have. I don't think they were lying about the, those sorts of details about the story. Oh, Nick. You that, that's what I'm talking about. No, off, it's not mate. my Hawthorne goggles. I, that's just the way I, I see the story. I think they're, they're – I mean – um, I think Caroline Wilson or her sources were putting a bit of mayo on the story and a couple of those de- little, little fine details were incorrect. <laughs> Come on, Nico. They got the story right. They, they got the, uh, the overall story was right in the end because Hawthorne changed their um, perspective and changed their ultimate decision. They, they changed nothing. So, he stuck there because, because he wanted to pay out. Which is why it, it, it landed, it, it went on for that facade, that yeah, charade. For, I know. I'm just saying that happened. And he just obviously one. a couple of days before they made the announcement on Friday. It would have happened Wednesday. So when when he spoke at the press conference last week, I had every right to believe what he was saying. I don't think. I think you could see through it. Like you just anyway, fine. Oh. You believed him at the time, but now surely you're not going to believe what comes out of of Jeff Kennett's mouth of all people, because that's a blatant lie. What he comes out and, and does. Well, there's nothing to lie about now. You know. Oh, it's give it's, it time. it's done. Give it time. It's done. Has it tarnished anything for you? So I think I think like you can get lost in the debate of like were they right, were they not? All intents and purposes, I think the story was right. But now what's left? Like is it like is there a bit of taste in your mouth? Have they tarnished the legacy of a of a legend? Will Clarko never come back? Like what do we think's gonna happen to that to that um, relationship with Hawthorne? Yeah, it's 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 not the best way to go out, obviously. It's no fairy tale ending. Um and it's, I think it's something that we will, you know, always keep at the back of my, our minds when we think about Clarkson leaving Hawthorne. Um, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's right. You'll keep it in the back of your mind. But, for, for example, for next year, I mean, this is this looks really bad on Sam Mitchell, who was, was part oh, of the yeah. the part of the thing. He was part. He played a big role in Clarko not being there next year. So if they don't perform next year, you watch the pressure come. I'm not saying if it's so. right or wrong, Nico. I don't think The pressure's so. going to come for Sam Mitchell. It, it will. He's walking into a baptism of fire, but I don't think it's his fault. I think it's unfair for that sort of pressure to go on him. I don't think he pushed Clarkson out. I don't think he, he he was like right. I don't want Clarks in there next year, you know. Oh, but but that's what was reported from Caroline Wilson. You just said the story was right, and 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 Sam McClure. They both said that um, Sam McClure was very strong in not wanting Clarko by his side next season. And Jeff Kennett was of the same opinion. He wanted fresh air, and he said it even last year. He said we're at the un- we'll have that conversation yeah, at the end I of his contract. That. I know yeah. that, but I I think. Um, the whole situation. I mean, Sam Mitchell was always going to be uh, Clarko's successor eventually. You know, he, he came to the club. Clarkson brought him to the club because he knew that's ultimately what was going to happen. Um, and Clarkson was the one that went to the board initially and started all of this. He said, Mitchell's talking to Collingwood. Um, maybe we should discuss, you know, our current so you be- coaching plans. So you believe that that it was Clarko that said we should we should talk about our coaching plans. Let's get Sam Mitchell in. Well, yeah, he he would. 
Yeah, but he wanted clarity on his own future as well, Clarks. And he's like, are you guys going to, you know, extend my contract? If, or are you going to give it to Mitchell? Be- Let's sort this out now. And then the board said, okay, we'll go with Mitchell. Clark, and I, I think it's unfair on, <laughs> unfair on the pressure on Mitchell. I would, I would be... Astounded if Clarko made the first move to go. Hey, he's talking to Collingwood. Let's let's speak about what's happening. Well, there he, was no, he they, said it again. Who are we? Exactly. To you're not going that. You read between the lines, there, Nico. You know that, and we've learned this when we were at uni, mate. That you know, go to. We've talked to media professionals and how they try and spin things. They spend the day there saying, "How are we going to deliver this message? How are we going to keep our reputation okay. intact?" This okay. is. They spent the whole day on Friday when the news came out at training. I know, but I don't think anyone was actually questioning that part. I think that was pretty clear that, okay, Clarkson didn't want Hawthorne to lose Sam Mitchell or he didn't no, care. He, he I, just wanted clarity on his future. He wanted his own future. Exactly. Sort of. I don't Make think no that's... bones about it, mate. He wanted his future. Jeff Kennett was the Absolutely. one who got scared when Sam Mitchell was over there speaking to Collingwood and said, oh, shit, we better get him before he goes to Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is what we're going to do, guys. Mm-hmm. And it was not all pretty behind the scenes, Nico. No, I, I think there's a lot. To anybody, I, I, absolutely. I think there's the a industry. lot that it was we don't know be, that behind we probably the won't know. And there's also stuff that probably Caroline Wilson doesn't know. So, Frankie, there you go. That's as good as an apology as you'll ever get. <laughs> um, Gordo, who was your hero of the weekend? My hero had nothing to do with uh, Clarkson or <laughs> Mitchell. My hero was was Callum Mills, and he played a he played a very good game. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Racked up the posies, kicked a clutch goal in the last quarter to basically ice the game. Then the Bombers kicked two after that, but the game was mm. basically done at that stage. But he is my hero because of one thing and one thing only. He thing did only. this game out of a 14-day self-isolation period. Oh, so yes, he is he the too. patron saint for anyone out there who's doing it tough. If you're in New South Wales, <laughs> you're in lockdown. If you've been in Victoria and you're ready for lockdown number six, mm. which is bound to happen now because, you know, we've, we've been had this little freedom period. He says that you know what you can oh, touch wood. Why you have can, you said that now, Gordo? You can, you it's can your stick, fault. Now you can if stick this to your, you can stick to your fitness goals. You can stick to your training habits. You can stick to your good routines. Yeah. And he kept himself fit and firing. And out of the fourteen day isolation period, boom, match changing performance. Well done to him, Carmels. Mm. What on the city as well? Yeah. Obviously, that Sunday debacle where games were changed and they were flying left, right, and center, and they got mm. down. Sluggish start. A lot of a lot of younger teams that we've seen this year have, have faced adversity halfway through games and given up. They did the exact opposite. They came in after half time, got the job done, and top four now is on the way. Bang, it is on the way. I reckon they deserve it too. And in the second half from both sides, Nico, even you enjoyed this game, even though you don't like the Dons. 10-1 from the Dons in the second half. Sydney, 13-2. Accurate kicking. It was brilliant. And the Dons, again, for the third time this year, kicked over 100 points and lost the game. So there's good and bad to that. I guess at least they can score. They're entertaining. But defensively, well, they the can The good part is that if, if you don't know what game to watch... Just find out where the Dons are playing and watch that one. The Don, yeah, that's you'll true. Have, you'll have Don's an enjoyable game of football. It was a great game of footy. One of the best of the season. They I look think. ready for finals, don't they, Sydney? At yeah. the start of the season oh, when yeah. they were winning games, we were saying, oh, you know, when's the drop-off going to happen? But it, young, it hasn't yeah. really. They no, lost they the look, Hawthorne, but they, they had ready. the bye. They look ready. Been good after the bye. And they don't yeah. mind travelling either. If anything, mm-hmm. they're probably suited away from the SCG than they are at home. That's so good record. If it away. is a uh, relocated final series, which we have had whispers about, yeah, it'd exclusive prob- news here. No, it'd probably um, be. I reckon yeah. there's a sort of Melbourne hub maybe shaping in the future, yeah. uh, in the near future. Nico, who was your hero of the weekend? My hero, you won't like this, Jimmy. It wasn't your hero, that's for sure. It's Andy B. <laughs> Andrew Brayshaw, the yeah, Frio and Dockers. He deserves it. He deserves it. He was Frio's hero. Um, he kept their season alive and my super coach team as well, playing finals, 190 super coach points, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, but he had a career high 39 disposals and it was one of the better 39 disposal games I've seen. He was super effective. He was damaging, especially in those final moments. As we know, uh, mm. the tackle, the final two clearances, he just put his Superman cape on and carried the Dockers over the line. And yeah. he's just a beast. Like, I mean, obviously, um, a lot of people are talking about him now um, and his importance of being the leader of the club, a culture builder, future captain. Future captain. Lloydie wants and him I, as soon I, as I, next year. Mate, I totally agree. I think next, next year, next year oh. not just because of all those traits, but also about his consistency. Like, no, no yeah, discredit to Nat Fife. put on him. Let him let him flourish a bit first, No. <laughs> No, you know, no have- discredit to Nat Fife, but he's never put together a season where he hasn't been injured. And I know that's out of his control a bit, 
And it's a bit he's still unlucky on him. though, Nat Five. He's had a couple. He's had a couple. He's a superb player. But in moments like on Sunday, you, you need a leader out there, you know, someone to, you know, put the troops on on your back, someone to lead out on the field. And, you know, um, Brayshaw's been in the system for four years now. And besides his first year where he's played where he played seventeen games, the last three years he's only missed one game of football. Are we afraid of a Canelio effect though? Get, taking a young, prospering player and then yeah, lamp, lumping no them way. with the captaincy. I don't think he should be captain He just looks yet. like a natural leader. He does, he does no doubt. But that's like, you've, you, it's a lot. give him time. It's give him time early. to settle in. I mean, he's still he's not, he's, he's still youngish. Like, he's not, he's not, I don't think he's ready yet. Like, there's a lot of pressure that comes with captaincy things. Absolutely. And roles. And, and we don't know how, this is why sometimes when you ask players about what they're really like, some of them don't like the, you know, being the uh, face of a footy club and then they've got to do extra media commitments. They've got to be on the on the billboards in, in Perth. They've got but to have do you asked him that? I haven't. I haven't, <laughs> but I think he's young for that. I don't think it's, or, or he's not, like, this is his breakout. See, this he, is a career young, high on Sunday. It's a young team as well. He's I never mean. had 39 disposals before. He got them on Sunday. And, yes, those big but moments. He's here. a consistent before former though it was his career best game absolutely but you know in in comparing it to the Canelio situation that was a like a grand final team he took over pretty much or a contender Frio is a young team I think it's a good opportunity to have a young captain good like it I think sometimes however just to finish up that captaincy chat is that we often get caught in the trap of thinking like that you need that your on-field leaders need to be your captain I think as as Jimmy just said like there's a lot of stuff that's captaincy now is a lot of like promo and and yeah, media in kind of situations and that kind of external to football thing. Mm. Whereas he's very capable of being an a, an on field fire starter, leader, clutch moment guy without having the C next to his name on the team sheets. So. Mm. Yeah, it depends on yeah. his on his, on his yeah. thing. And we we speak to players that say they didn't enjoy game day and that sort of thing. It didn't make them a bad player, but we don't know what what he's actually like. The the, the reason I say this is because the talk is coming from external. It's not coming mm. from internal that I've heard. They've said he's the next skipper. But they'd know him more than anyone else. Yeah. This is, but if the, they if they were to name him captain next year, obviously they've had the chat to him. Yeah, and he seems alright to take it on. Yeah. So well, I guess yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see, Nick. It probably good, won't happen. It's, but a good, it's a good call. But don't say that. Stick with it. Be no, brave, I, I hope call. it does happen. What, what might happen in regards to Freo is them finishing in the finals. Oh yeah, you know. Gordo's ready for that. It's true. He picked him. He <laughs> picked true. him. He's ready. Gordo, what was your highlight, please? My my highlight was a was a Sunday showdown. And again, we talked about teams overcoming adversity and both these sides did this, the Giants and Port Adelaide. And we've been waiting all season for Port Adelaide to turn up when it matters. Now, it wasn't quite against the top eight side, but the Giants are there and thereabouts. They're just underneath. They were in the top eight they going were into the weekend. Going into the weekend. Yeah. So they technically beat a top eight side on the weekend and they did it against uh, against all the odds. Again, COVID tried to bring them down and they said, no, thank you. And then had a very nice second half performance there that powered themselves back into the top four well, good race. Pun. Good pun. Yeah, no, mm. it was it was a decent performance. It was good. They dominated the inside fifty counts. So when I think it was a sixty-five to forty-six. So when you get that many more inside fifties, mm. you should be finishing off, which is good. And it's nice to see Dixon kick a few goals against a, a decent opposition. Again, it's not a top eight side, but it's still good, and it's good for Richmond as well. And Frio that GWS lost because yep. it opens up the door for a few a few contenders vying for that eighth spot. Nico, mm. what was your highlight? highlight? My highlight. I get I lose track of this rundown. <laughs> well, take a guess. It was it was the game in Your Launceston, highlight. the oh, Launceston nice. humbling. Yep. Um, the Hawks. You know, I mean, after the darkest day in the club's history, you would have to say yep. it was an ugly day. Yeah. Supporters unhappy. Yep. The the best thing you the Hawks could have done though. is just win. Yeah. And they did it convincingly. They did it, they they did it for Clarko, didn't they? Winning it? solves everything. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, the first three quarters was some of the best footy we've seen from them this year. Bring on the Mitchell era. And, yeah, that's it. Well, on another topic, Box Hill Hawks, mate, they're, they're flying. They've won, yeah. their last, they've won six in a row and they've all been over 50-odd points. So yeah. so it's quite impressive. Um, against that super strong uh, league that is the VFL. I mate. mean, oh, not all of those games were against standalone clubs. <laughs> they were going You've got accountants playing in there. Plumbers. Half, yeah, we've, half got, we've got blokes having touched footies in, yeah. in 12 months. Nah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It is good signs. I mean, you can't ask more than that, can you? You've got to beat who you're playing on the weekend or Collingwood, but yeah, back to the AFL. Yep, they beat the Lions. Um, yeah, quite disappointed on their behalf, actually. Um, shocking. Mm. That's twice in a, that's two weeks in a row that Fagan's absolutely launched into them. 
Just and you and we saw it. It was in the you know at quarter time again last week. We saw it against the Suns. They were horrific mm. in the first half, and then they the second half they turned it around. But against the Hawks, they, they were, were deplorable. And they Hawthorne's were midfield absolutely horrible. Hawthorne's midfield notoriously bad, and they yeah, bring in Connor true. Nash, throw him in the middle, and Connor Nash's highest disposal count before the weekend it's like five mm. six touches something like that because he plays uh, predominantly forward. Goes into the midfield and has his career best game, like 23-odd touches, nine tackles, seven clearances. Mm. And, yeah, I think Chris Fagan had every right to be upset. The thing, yeah, the thing about Brisbane is if their midfielders don't fire, they don't look like they have an opportunity to win mm. the game. And that's injuries hurt, and obviously Hipwood's not there. Um, Adams, Adams, Marcus, Marcus Adams. Adams at the back, he's not there as well. The two pillars. Mm. And Danaher doesn't look like he can... You know, no. hold it up by himself. But in the last quarter, Nico, eight goals to Brisbane. Were you getting oh, was, worried? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was getting worried. Um, but we did enough to hold on. I knew, I, knew, I knew the lines were going to come at some point because they're point, a quality yeah. team. Um, but yeah, it got, it got too close for my comfort. So you call them a quality team. Like, are they a quality enough to be. Are they out of the funnels race now? No, I'm not, no, no. Oh, is, no. Your, is your infamous red pen out? Oh, this yeah, absolutely. Was, so they're, they're, not, through oh, they're not winning the premiership. No. They're okay, but I don't think they're done yet. I mean, the only thing is, I mean, people put the lines through too quickly. I mean, look at look at Nick. No, I mean, Richmond's done, still going to win the flag, and Nick's already put a line through. <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> I mean, it's been a few weeks that look, look bad. Okay, fair enough. They've got some injuries. It's you just never know. Like you, you don't. But what's Lockie the eagerness? Neil, what is Lockie the eagerness Neil, their to best go, player. get out that pen and just go bang? No, you're well because what's the I was going to say? Lockie Neal, their best player. He's been playing. This season, like a, a B or C grade oh. type midfielder. Lockie he hasn't been anywhere. That's the title of this podcast. We'll put that at the top. Yeah, do it because he has been. <laughs> the numbers the, the numbers back it up. He's been so far off his best. I don't know what the situation with him is at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Jared Lyons has overtaken him this year. Yeah, they just haven't got their ball movement going. It's just it's just really odd. At the start of the season, they were firing. Um, a couple of injuries and they just look absolutely cooked. This this apology from Mitch Robinson after the game, he tweeted, he said, apologies to all the fans who turned up today to watch that display. Uh, we'll review it and get back on the horse. They better because that was absolutely horrible. I haven't put a line through them yet. I'm just, and that's a pun, line through them. <laughs> Gordo. Gordo. It, is, uh, it is interesting when you talk about like too quick to put the line through them. I think now is the time of year where you can go, is Brisbane's best from what we've seen this year good enough to beat any of those top four sides? The answer is probably no. At the moment. I know, well, not, but not, I'm based on, not, not based on the weekend's performance because I probably won't play that, that poorly again. Yeah. But I, just, I just don't think nothing would surprise. Mm. That's the thing. Nothing would surprise me anymore about this. A few weeks ago, we had everyone saying the eight's locked. Nico, you the top four is you're locked. The top eight's locked. Nothing's going to change. And things change. They turn on their head. The doggies won it from seven. You do, you do, you do realise what business we're in, though. I know that, but I don't have to be like everyone else. Do you I? don't have to be like everyone else. Right. But you can, I'm an individual, okay. Gordon. Jimmy yeah. just like sitting on the fence. Yeah, he's just like no, sitting, I'm on the sitting on the fence. Like, if I believe in something that that much, I will say it. But like, other than oh, that, I'm just telling you. I don't, I don't need like to come on here and just Brisbane. no. That's great. I love it that you like that. It's good because we we come back and laugh at you at the end. Gordo, what's your low light? Hello, light. Other than my puns. Is, no, I love your puns, man. Oh, so you. do all the listeners. <laughs> In fact, suggest your own puns for next week. We'll do some yeah, do wonderful it. recaps from the listeners. That'd be, that'd be great. That'd be good. Easy um, for me as well. I don't have to do them. Speaking of putting a line through them, mm. the, the sun is not coming up for Gold Coast. Not at all. Now, this is interesting coming from you because you said they should not sack Stewie Jew. And I don't, I don't know. This is the part where I want to talk about it, right? So I, I, obviously they get, believe that, I think. they get they get thumped on the weekend and everyone's back on the ops Stewie Jew's done. Even even our good friend here across the, the patron set of niceties, Did Jimmy I? Sabo was went close to saying I said I went close. You went close In to my saying article, maybe it's about? time to look at oh, yeah. maybe sacking him. I those it was, it was a lot of fence sitting. Was, Those was, weren't my words. There were some splinters on your, like sitting on your on the fence. There yeah. was my splinters <laughs> on my backside when yeah. I was sitting there and going, well, now, now we know who's available. Yeah. You'd you'd th- you'd think about does, it. if Clarko was available. Does a Clarko I'd say no. or a Bucks or I know a prestigious head coach like that fix the problem? And I don't know if it does. Well, I don't. That's that. Gold Coast are the. What is the problem, mate? It's they the, have the they state. have good players. They the, have draft picks. They have retention the, and training. That's the state. What, you the ask state. people. Not the state of Queensland. The but city of Gold the Coast city is of Gold problem. Coast it's is cursed. A problem. It is cursed. Every there's no franchise that's worked there. Is there? 
There's yeah, no. I wouldn't say the Gold Coast Titans now. No, the Gold Coast, so, they're not yeah. working. A-League's try to go there, nothing. There's no yeah. – Gold Coast doesn't work. I don't know what it is about it, but maybe it's the culture up there. Who knows? I mean, when you ask people, because I'm always interested in this, mm. and I say when you were, like, assistant coaches and that, when you were at the Gold Coast, what was the, the issue? And they said, like, the training um, – like the way they trained, it wasn't hard enough. And then there was the, the no go account- home factor. There's no accountability either. Like it's not. Know. It's not like you know Hawthorne's darkest day and people out here signing petitions and whatever. Yeah, but you no. Know, yeah, exactly. Richmond yeah, but finishes ninth and it's time to overthrow well, them. Ca- Collingwood's blowing up. Yeah. And uh, I've actually spoken to Queenslanders about this, and a lot oh, of them. All of Queensland. I've, spoken, well, I've spoken to Queensland, the state, and some uh, Queenslanders, <laughs> and they and I actually asked them about this, yeah. and they tell me, well, a lot of Queensland aren't, you know, originally from Queensland. There's there's a few that have come up from Victoria or some yeah. from New South Wales and you go to Queensland and you'll see people's back in New South Wales in the state of origin and all that stuff. There's no loyalty in uh, – there's not oh, a, lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah. loyalty no, know, and yeah, especially yeah. in the Gold Coast, which is a holiday destination yeah. pretty much, you know. Yeah, that, that's something missing. We spoke about this two years ago and you laughed at me, Gord. I said, you know, when there's not a lot of culture or history or heritage there, it's hard to sell something like that. You know, and then if you get an offer from up there, say, "Hey, come back home to Melbourne. We'll give you a good, a good um, paycheck, and you can be close to your family." Why wouldn't you come? I mean, I don't know. I feel sorry for Stewie Jew. We all love Stewie Jew. He's great, but you can't go out there and cop. I mean, the game, the game before against Brisbane, they played well in the first half. Second half, they kick one goal. They kick one goal after halftime again. Mm. They kicked a point in two quarters of footy. Yeah, it's just, it's in not saying good. that. I reckon. I think Clarkson. If there's a guy to do it, I think it's Clarkson. <laughs> cool. well, turn would, turn the ship around. God. You would say that. I suppose that's the draw card, I suppose. But like. that would be the ultimate test. If you really wanted everyone who had a hint of a doubt how much genius he is, you go set him up the Gold Coast. If he can turn that side around, well, I mean, the, the, the list of he's got at the moment at his disposal isn't great. <laughs> it's not good at all, actually. Uh, at Hawthorne? At Hawthorne. Yeah, I would say the list he would be inheriting at Gold Coast is actually... Is, is, is better than well, what yeah. he's got at Hawthorne. Way better. And he's managed to, you know... Beat teams like Melbourne and Brisbane. So, sure. uh, we're up to your low light, Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my low light, not to sound like a negative Nancy, but I thought oh, there was well, a few, there was a few low lights at Mard Round 20. Like, I don't yeah. know, the whole Jack Viney thing, we'll get into it in a sec. Yeah. And, you know, St. Oh, Gold Coast were a woeful, St. Kilda, West Coast, Brisbane, Richmond. <laughs> but, <laughs> bring up Richmond. But um, I want to talk about Saturday morning, uh, the Queensland government. Yeah, when, they announced, when they announced they were going into another lockdown, yeah. um, the stamp lockdown, which I'm fine with, by the way. I was way. about to say, we have a tin hat warning. No, no, no. no. The, we've had to get barred no. off Facebook for COVID no. conspiracy chat. No. Yeah, it doesn't I, I, exist. I'm, you're a big not, advocate for lockdowns. You like no, it. Yeah. Ring of steel. I'm yeah. definitely not anti-lockdown. I don't protest. I don't wear a tinfoil hat. Oh, I've been back last week. I have been back. I know you have. I'll rub it in there a bit more. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> What, me? Um, He's some anti-vaxxer or something. (laughs) No, um, but to to announce a lockdown (laughs) and call for all live sport to come to an immediate halt, including the VFL game that was at quarter time on the time, and they had to call it off right then and there and say, right, players off the field, they've just called, called a lockdown. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That is embarrassing. Like, these are professional athletes. It was Gold Coast Reserves yeah. and Southport. Southport are at the, near the top of the VFL ladder. Yeah. Probably the Matty Lappin's team as well, Southport Sharks. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to at least let them finish the game. Yeah, what would be I the mean, danger of them finishing the game there? I just – no, like, Gordo, don't was try the, No, no, what was, the rest of the, what was the rest of the situation too? Like if you were out on a – like having That's a it? swim, it's I like no. But normally, was, it, it, was there a siren or something went off? And it's like, see, I didn't understand this home, when it like came the out. The news, you, yeah, exactly. You can't <laughs> just go, hey, everyone, immediately, like the bell rings at school, wet yeah. day program, everyone inside. <laughs> like, it's you don't oh. do that. Surely no. you go like we do at by tonight at whatever time or yeah. by at least give them a few hours. Yeah. My God, that, Victoria. That's it, what it, it's all it, we're it trying just, to say. It, it throws the integrity of the competition out the window. Like they don't care. Yeah, what what was, happens now? The quarter time score, do they just play the they're three gonna quarters? They're going to play from the start. They'll play from the start. It wasn't even quarter time. They were about 10 minutes in. Yeah, like the leading disposal yeah, was, was like, like three touches. So I think we can just start that one again. They'll start it again, just, but still. It, like, it sucks. Yeah, it, it does, does suck. suck. It was um, stupid. That well, was my just, low light. Yeah, no, that is, that is a summation of the COVID situation there, mm. Nick. It, it was COVID, it sucks. And that's why no one takes Queensland seriously. Oh, Nicholas. See, look at that. Drive violence. Unnecessary drive violence. You just ruined your track record. Did the Eagles disrespect Shannon Hearn with their performance on Saturday? Three hundredth game. I don't think they did because 
Do, that would people. suggest they deliberately played poorly. To say that it was disrespectful is to be they like... They didn't mentally prepare. And they've done it on they, multiple occasions. Yeah. Surely you get up for your mates. Jeez. I mean, every player we speak to, apart from Dermot Burden, says... Milestone games. Yeah. They're the ones they remember. They remember getting chaired off, the pictures of them in their house at the club rooms. He's the game's record holder. And I don't care. Maybe you don't win the game. The team's but the club's to put, record holder. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, the yeah. club's game record holder. Thank yeah. you for correcting. That just to not put in an effort like that against Collingwood, it was weak. It, it was, was weak, absolutely yeah. But disrespectful weak. suggests it was deliberate. Like, we know the Eagles are a weak football club at the moment. I think They can't travel. They can't play against a good They're size. They're very inconsistent. But yeah. I think it's disrespectful. Yeah, I guess they deliberately didn't mentally prepare for it, like Jimmy said. I agree. I think they could have done better. Oh, they could yeah. definitely have done better. I'm just saying for a person that says, like, did you talk to them? You know, you believe that Clark was telling the truth. Mm. I mm. believe that they would have tried their best to be up for it and they couldn't get the job done. They just couldn't mm. do it. So but to call it disrespectful is like they did it deliberately. Yeah. yeah. So you think the game plan's cooked, do you? Is it, it, well, they think, haven't changed much since 2018. And they haven't won, the won much since 2018 either. Mm. They, they have good players. Yeah. They hey, they've a, got they, a lot of over 30s. I'll tell you what, the time's running out. And they out keep rolling they the dice again and saying it's going to work and it didn't work and it, and it stopped working. And now. they don't have a lot of options coming in the draft because they gave away a lot for uh, Tim, Tim Kelly. Kelly. So, yeah. yeah. What has happened to Tim Kelly? Yeah, he, he's not reaching the heights. Of what he was, he had, he had a really good quarter a couple of weeks ago where he's just yeah. absolutely a dynamite. Mm-hmm. And he thought, Where's this been? My god, he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. You know why they gave so much up for him, but yeah, like it's not consistent enough. I think they were disrespectful. Uh, is Josh Shackey is he the missing link in the chain for the dogs? Now, the reason I say this came in a couple of weeks ago as a defender, he's a forward. Mm-hmm. Luke Beveridge knows the one big, um. Weakness, issue yeah. weakness for for the dogs is in defence one on one marking they can get out marked they can bring it to ground and they've got you know they they're not as good in defence now when Alex Keith goes out with a hamstring injury they look like you know big big problems here Josh Shackey's come in done a really good job he did a good job on Tex is he the the kind of missing link do you well, still have worries over the defence it seems like it it seems like he is and I'm happy for him as well because obviously it was the number two draft pick. Back in 2015, mm. didn't set the world on fire at Brisbane. Got the move back to Victoria, back home. He thought that might reignite his career. Yep. Didn't. He spent the best part of the last couple of years in the VFL. And then, yeah, he, he looks at home down back. He's played well. And I hope, I hope that he is that missing link because mm. they he, need him. Is he like Jones? Like the Carlton's Jones and just gone from forward to backman and the, the next. That's an things. insult comparing See, him to Liam Nico Jones. Hates Liam Jones. I just I don't. It's a weird him. player to hate too, Liam Jones. Just, he just hasn't done anything to anyone. But. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I just think people overrate him. I think yeah, I think he's just an overrated footballer. Wow. Sorry. Wow. No. Well, people you don't have to be sorry for your opinion. You know, um, but that's you what do. you're here for. Yeah, that's what you're here for. And, and you should apologise when you get things wrong, though. And Caroline Wilson's still will. waiting. Look, if, if Liam Jones wins a premiership with Carlton, I'll put my hand up and apologise. <laughs> hey, uh, thoughts on the Jack Viney incident? Gordo, you go first. Didn't look good, did it? No, it didn't look good. Elbow on the throat? Yeah. Throat Bit of a, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, what? You, you do that on the weekly, don't you, Gordo? Oh, yeah, I go out. Well, we don't. We can't go out. So I'm at yeah. home just practicing on my pillows until I can go out and do the same. As, it's it was a bad p- look. It's a bad it look. It was picked up late, wasn't it? He goes to tribunal. Um, and we'll get – Nico, you're the tribunal specialist here. How many weeks does he get for that? Um, at least one. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I was if – was, if it was my decision, I'd probably say two. I think at least two. You've got to scrap that out of the game. That was disgusting. Hey, it was look, a bad act. Yeah, if you look at Vine who plays on the edge, do you look at him differently after an incident like that or you just – Wait, that's, there's a difference between playing on the edge. I don't understand play on the edge as a, as a general concept. There is no playing on the edge. There's playing hard and tough, trying to get the ball, tackling hard, etc. And he is a tough. And then player. there is, and then there is putting your putting your elbow on someone's throat. That's not mm. hard or tough. That's exactly. not being on the edge. Exactly. That's just being a thug. Mm. It's not. It was nineties round. Maybe a bit of retro action there. Yeah. But no, that's not. That's not tough. That's not. Well, I mean, when you think back to Stratton, who got a week for pinching. And like what? What was at the end of the day? Yeah, it's a bad look, but it's a pinch. So that was the biggest overreaction in the history of sports. Oh, no, but it what was, is an elbow to the head? Surely that warrants more than a week. You would have thought so. If pinching's a week, yeah, we you spoke I mean? last week about the elbow to the face. That should exactly. be at least a week, and then you get an elbow to the throat like that. That's it's crap, man. Mm. Don't like it. It should be two weeks. Two weeks minimum for anything that looks like 
a mixed martial arts move. Mm. He's trying to kill someone, you know. Hey, last one. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Oh. I don't think he'd try to kill him. But oh, ha- it, elbow on the throat. Last, yeah, last it's one. Pretty, pretty common move. <laughs> yeah, last one. Uh, did Carlton over-celebrate their win? Kane Corns thought they did. He was very vocal on that. He said, Kane well, Corns would have been the most boring and sad player to play with if that's how he responds to winning. You're meant to enjoy winning. He wasn't, You're allowed he, he to gave, enjoy um, winning. He gave Brody Holland the, the finger after a game for Port. <laughs> I know. Corns did. I don't understand this. Like, oh, if you celebrate too hard, you're gonna play crap. I think I week. love Kane Corns. Um, I mean, yeah, love is doesn't, a strong word. Doesn't make any I like sense. him. I like Kane Corns. I'm just saying um, because he's always strong in his opinions. But sometimes, you know how he has an opinion for opinion's sake. That, I don't, this is one of them. I think this is one of them. Like, I really don't think he feels that strongly about Carlton over celebrated. This is. You know, getting clicks and just yeah. having an opinion for opinion's sake. This is one of them. I don't think, mate. They they won. They got they were bashed. They lost to North. Yeah, it was a good performance. Like, yeah, excited. They you got to celebrate back. the wins. Yeah, mm. you know, and that's something that turns some clubs around. And it's I can have a Richmond. Can I mention Richmond for once in this podcast? Oh, Nick? thank oh. you, please. I've been waiting for it. Okay, yeah. I was just going to say something. A Richmond that changed in 2017 it was just celebrating more, celebrating the little things. You know, even a spoil or a punch, you celebrate. You get excited yeah. about it. What you are they celebrating now? Yeah, not much, Nicholas. Not much, as he smirks and smiles again. Um, Nick, I tell you what. Yes. They don't deserve to make the eight, but they still might. They're playing okay. North. They're playing GWS. They're playing Hawthorne. Are they a chance of the premiership? I told you this. I, st- I haven't oh. changed my tune. No, there's still a chance. Are you, are you telling me <laughs> there's just, a chance? Saying, <laughs> are you chance. telling me there's a chance? I'm just saying, like, in your great hate debate, which is a great read, by the way, if you haven't don't read lie. it, go don't on. Don't lie. No. You don't like it you, at all. You just you spent, like, a good, a good novel's worth of words uh, going on about um, bias and, you know, yes. what the definition of bias is and all the different types of bias. What did you take out of that, Nick? Did but you take you're, anything you're out still, of it? Oh, I did. I did. I, I took out that you're more biased than the people you are pointing the finger in what way? In what way? Well, you're just not you're not riding off the Tigers. I've, I've and said this they, from the start. They have, they have won one game in their last seven. Nick. They've lost to the Gold Coast. They've if, lost to St. Kilda. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If I wasn't a Richmond supporter, there is no chance in hell I would think that the Tigers are any sort of chance of winning the flag. Mm. The fact is, and I'm going to admit, that I want to still look at this season through Richmond goggles and say, if they scrape into the eight, anything is possible. We saw the Bulldogs win it from seventh. Who knows? I don't think we will, to be honest. But you know what? We make the eight. Who knows? And I don't want to – it's one of those things you just don't want to believe it's over. I know it's not, not going to be the same as it was. But you just – you scrape in and anything can happen. Who knows? As, as a person that lived through this, you lived <laughs> yeah. through a, a three-peat. Mm. Richard didn't quite do a three-peat. They did a three and four, slightly different. How did you how did you deal with that? What what kind of advice can you give the Jimmys of the world who are about to come into the end of an era? They've got about six years before their coach gets dumped. Mean? He hasn't stopped talking about the dumped in a transition period. So what can he? I, yeah. actually, I actually said it to you at the start of the year. This year for Richmond, it was a lot like um, the 2016 for Hawthorne. Hawthorne still made the top four that year, but my point was was that they were very inconsistent. You could see um, them dropping off from their best. They were in and out of their best form. And that's what I saw from Richmond um, in the first half of the season. Obviously, you know, they've gone on a bit of a, a losing run now. But mm. I just think they just look tired. And that, that's going to happen after 2020, which was just a mentally and physically draining year for everyone. It was. Injuries don't help. But, yeah, they definitely don't look uh, like their best or anywhere close to it, which is sad for everybody. <laughs> so who makes eighth spot then? And we'll finish on this. Who makes the eighth? Uh, Freo is sitting there right now, but they've got a toughish run. They played the Eagles and Brisbane, but mm. before a few weeks back, we thought, you know, maybe that's a tough game. It doesn't look as tough as it once was. Um, the Tigers, obviously, we mentioned they've got North and uh, Hawthorne and GWS. So, well, three games left. The highest Richmond can finish is eighth. Really, they can't finish seventh, can they? I don't, oh, mathematically, oh, they. Can. I think, I think basically can. it's just one spot. Though. Yeah, and yeah. there's six teams going for it. Man, even Carlton can make it. St Kilda can make. St Kilda can make. Um, Essendon can make it. Out of all of them, I well, think the most realistic, the easiest run is Richmond. But then again, there's no easy games for Richmond these days. Well, they're playing the Giants. What is it? This No, not no. this week, the week, the week after. That's after. a big game. That's pretty much for the spot, I reckon. Yeah. And then Hawthorne, just to boost the percentage in the last game of the season. I don't know. Actually, yeah, you might win that because it seems like Hawthorne only beat the top sides in the competition and lose to the bottom sides, which is Richmond. There you go. There you go. Good way to end. Good show, <laughs> fellas. 
enjoyed it today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you guys enjoyed the pod and the interview with Sean Grigg. I really loved it. Hashtag the gym session. Get involved. Please share. Give us a rating if you like it. Even if you don't, just do it anyway, please, so we can keep our jobs. We love you all. Go to the Tigers. Enjoy the rest of your week.